as a leader, you want to build yourself up to become a lighthouse. You want to shine your, your big bright light onto others and onto the sea of uncertainty that we're all a part of. But as a lighthouse, you also need to understand that without ships in the water, you're useless. You know, a lighthouse guides ships. And if there are no ships, then who are you guiding? As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Leadership Podcast. I have the distinct pleasure today to be with Jacob Morgan, author of best-selling book, The Future Leader, founder of The Future of Work University, and host of To Be Your Own Boss, BYOB podcast with Jacob and Blake Morgan. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Jacob, share with us, there's been so much talk around future of work, and you have spent extensive research on the future leader with over yeah. 140, 150 CEO interviews that led to your research-based work. So let's unpack what you have found as an expert in the future of work. What is the future of work? How do I think about it as a leader? How does it affect me? How does it affect the world that I'm surrounded by? Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, man, there's so many directions that we can go in. Well, I suppose we can start with the most question you asked, which is what is the future of work and how do I as a leader think about it? This is, of course, a very common question that a lot of people ask. People ask me this all the time. And I think there's actually a challenge in how we think about it and ask the question, because I think when a lot of leaders, when a lot of people in general say, what is the future of work? We make the big assumption that the future of work is something that happens to us, that it's something that we don't control. It's like a train that's approaching us and we're powerless to get out of the way. But the reality is the future of work is what you make it. As, especially as a leader, you need to ask yourself, what's the future of work you want to see happen? So I, I think we need to shift our mentality a little bit into assuming that it's something that happens to us, into asking ourselves, how do we want to build it, shape it, create it, and design it? It's a mental shift that's required in a lot of people because it gives you more agency and more action into understanding that you have influence over what the future is. It's not just something that happens to you. So that's probably where I would first start with leaders. And it's a very basic question that they should ask themselves is, what is the future of work you want to see happen? And how are you actually going to make that future a reality? That's outstanding. So, and I'm sure that there are people who literally, as you're describing that, Jacob, flip their mindset, right? Like, ooh, the Hopefully. future of work is here. What do I need to learn? Versus, no, you are the future. What do you want to see? What yeah. do you want people to experience and live out? And with that comes a lot of listening, right? Because it shouldn't just be our own opinion, but the opinion of the talent that surrounded us and what the world needs from us that we can bring a little bit differently tomorrow that we didn't bring today. Yeah, I think it's a very important mindset to have because especially in this rapidly changing world that we're all a part of, if you live and work in today's world as kind of like a leaf blowing in the wind and you're just going to go in whatever direction the wind blows, I think you're going to be in trouble. Uh, and a lot of the most successful CEOs, especially when I interview them, they always say that they take an active role in designing and shaping their career and their life. 
So I think it's a very, very important message for people to have. Don't rely on your company. Don't rely on your educational institutions to teach you everything you need to know to be successful. You need to play a more active role in shaping what that future is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. So Jacob, in the work that you do and the impact you are striving to create and create the new future for the world that you influence, can you give us a little insights into that? What drives Jacob Morgan? (laughs) And has that changed over the last 14 months or five years? Well, there's a personal drive and there's the professional drive. The personal drive, I always had bad jobs working for other people in the corporate world. And I always tell this coffee story of how I double majored in economics and psychology. I graduated with honors from the University of California, Santa Cruz. And my first job out of college, I thought I was going to be doing something impactful and meaningful. And instead, you know, I was sold this wonderful story of what I would be doing, traveling the country, meeting with entrepreneurs and executives. And instead, I was stuck doing cold calling and data entry and PowerPoint. And the pivotal moment for me came when the, uh, one of the top executives at the company comes out of his beautiful corner office. And he says, Jacob, I, I, I got something really important I need your help with. So naturally, I get very excited. I run over to him and I say, yeah, what is it? And he just gives me a $10 bill and says, I'm late for a meeting. I need you to go to Starbucks and get me a cup of coffee. And so on the professional side, my goal is to help create organizations where we all want to be a part of and leaders who we all want to work with and for, because I never had that experience and it was terrible. And my goal is to help make sure that other people don't have that experience. And on the personal side, I really enjoy the work that I do. I like the freedom that I have. I like that I don't have an income ceiling and I can make as much or as little as I want. I have complete control and autonomy. I pick the projects that I enjoy doing. I can say no to things that I don't want to do. I could take a day off if I want to. So, you know, running the own, my own business and being an entrepreneur my wife does the same thing, has been really an amazing thing just for overall quality of life for myself. So I'm personally driven to be able to create this life of, of freedom to focus on what I genuinely enjoy doing. And on the professional side, it's helping create those organizations and leaders who we all want to be a part of. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about mindset. So we talked about the mindset shift that you're hoping to educate and bring people into. I have followed you for several years on your content, your resources, your book that we have right here. We'll put a link in our show notes. It's a good looking book. It's a good looking book. And I know, again, there's people who I follow in the podcast world that follow you closely and you provide such great insights, not just in written word, but in visuals. You're clearly trying to get everyone who connects to your brand to find themselves in the work that you're doing and help them enhance the way they approach life, approach leadership, approach others. So talk with us, what are the greatest barriers that you have found in that mindset piece? What do we need to break through as leaders and as humans to get ourselves in the right zone to be thinking about the future and how we can transform it? Oh man, that's a good question. So I think there are a few things the dangerous trait and quality that a leader can possess is having an ego. That, And I'm actually going to be doing a video and an article about this in the coming weeks as well. So as a leader, and I suppose even if you're not a leader, it's still relevant for you. Ego, I think, can be killer. And 
the challenge is it's a natural thing because as you grow and excel in your career, you get more money, more power, more status, more responsibility, more authority, and you your head starts to get a little bit bigger. And you feel like your ideas are always the best, that you should be the smartest person on the team, that people shouldn't question you. And I find, at least from a lot of the CEOs that I've interviewed, that they see that as one of the biggest downfalls for leaders. It keeps you from growing and learning and developing. It keeps you from seeing new opportunities. It keeps you from attracting and retaining top talent. It keeps you from progressing any further. And honestly, it'll knock you off of your leadership game. So I think that's one of the things that people need to be aware of the most is the role that ego plays and how it changes as you grow and excel in your career. So that's going to be a crucial one. Second one is just comfort and getting outside of your comfort zone. We in general are, you know, we like to do things that are, that are safe. We like to do things that we're used to doing. And I think if you want to embrace new mindsets and if you want to grow and excel in your career, you have to do the things that make you uncomfortable. Several CEOs who I've interviewed, when I asked them what makes you most successful, they said they took the jobs that nobody else wanted. The jobs that everybody was running from because they were too hard or too complicated, these CEOs ran towards, knowing full well that this was their opportunity and their chance, their moment to shine and to take on something that you know, was hard and challenging that nobody else wanted to do. So you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be aware of the role that the ego plays. And I think another thing is you have to learn how to learn. And we touched on this earlier, but in general, I think there's a lot of complacency, right? We assume that everything we need to know to be successful personally and professionally is either going to be taught to us at school or taught to us by our, our organization. And the reality is that's not true. Nobody's going to look out for you but you. So you have to maintain that mindset of curiosity, of learning new things, challenging the status quo. And I think that's a very, very important thing to do, not just as a human being, but especially as a leader, if you want to be effective. Jacob, when we're talking about bringing out the best of others, it's a part of what the Talent Magnet Institute focuses on, that we want to bring out the help leaders, help their teams bring out their greatest good and really gather is, you know, allow people to bring their whole self. What does bringing whole self mean? What does it look like? Unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of people have never been enabled to do that. You shared from your own experience. But when it comes to bringing out the best of others, we've talked a lot about self and things that we need to focus on. What have you found that unlocks the executive, the leader potential? How do they unlock others' potential once they get theirs unlocked? The most effective thing that I think you can do as a leader to unlock the potential of others is to listen. I interviewed Arnold Donald, the CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines. I think they have around 120,000 people. And he gave me this great quote that basically said, the world is going to reveal itself to you, but you have to be willing to listen. And you can't motivate and engage and empower and inspire people unless you understand what they care about and what they value and unless you understand what drives them. So if you want to be able to unlock the potential of others, you really need to know others as human beings, not just as workers. Similar to being in a relationship, right? How do you keep your spouse, your significant other happy? Well, you listen to what they care about and what they value. You make them feel good. You make them feel special. But if you don't pay attention to the feedback that you're getting, if you make no effort to understand who they are and what they care about, then nothing else is going to matter. So I think that is a really, really critical component is you need to truly understand your employees as human beings, not just as workers. That's probably 
the best piece of advice that I can give anybody. The second thing is, I think leaders need to understand the role that they're in. And the role that they're in, the cover of the book I have, I can probably show, it's a little dusty from some of the construction work, but people can see it's a lighthouse. And that's not an accident. The visual that I use throughout my book is to get people to think in terms of being a lighthouse. And that's because as a leader, you want to build yourself up to become a lighthouse. You want to shine your your big bright light onto others and onto the sea of uncertainty that we're all a part of. But as a lighthouse, you also need to understand that without ships in the water, you're useless. You know, a lighthouse guides ships. And if there are no ships, then who are you guiding? So part of it is understanding that as a leader, your job and your role and your responsibility is to help make other people more successful, even if it's more successful than you. In fact, I encourage those should be the things that you do. Help make other people more successful than you. So I think that is another thing combined with the listening component. That's honestly, I think some of the most effective things that leaders can do. Yeah, that's awesome. Jacob, when you talk about listening, we discuss a lot that the world has effectively redefined the phrase communication to be all about telling. Yeah. Right. And a lot less about asking and being in the seat of two ears, one mouth. You know, we often say that we want to help people feel valued, heard and understood. And when you do that, their lights come on finally, right? That may be squelched in their past experiences. But the listening component for everyone who's listening to this episode, so few people can say that they have been actively listened to and have been valued for all of the perspectives that they bring. And when you do, creativity increases, innovation is unlocked, ideas, passion, compassion, all take place inside of a culture. And I would argue that those organizations that I've interacted with in my time, and I'm sure, Jacob, with the interviews that you've had, you can physically feel the different energy in the room when an environment is structured as such and you have a group of leaders who are doing so. Yeah, and the other interesting thing for people to remember is listening and hearing are not the same thing. And this is one of the things that I talk about in the book. Hearing is the unconscious act of letting sound enter your ear. It doesn't require any time or attention or focus or energy. And the funny thing is we've all been in that situation before where you are talking to somebody, you're having a conversation with someone, and you can tell that they're not there. Like they might be looking at you. You can tell that they're hearing you, but mentally they're checked out. They're thinking about lunch. They're thinking about meetings. Who knows what's going on in their mind? And as a leader, when you do that to your people, it crushes them because people can tell when you're listening to them and when you're hearing them. And if if somebody's having an interaction with you, they're trying to come to you for feedback, for help, for advice, and either, you know, maybe you're on your phone, just like, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah, what'd you say, Uh uh-huh? Or you're just kind of nodding at them, you know, mentally checked out. It destroys their spirit, it disengages them. But the flip side of that is also true. When you listen to them, and by the way, listening is, is a conscious act. It requires attention, time, focus. You pay attention to your body language. You remove your distractions. You ask follow-up questions. You make the conversation feel collaborative. When you do that, then all of a sudden, the person that you're engaging with feels engaged, empowered, and motivated. You know, They say, wow, my leader's really listening to me. They really care about me. They're trying to understand what I'm going through. 
there's a great quote that says, there's no greater form of love and respect that you can give somebody than by listening to them. So hearing and listening, I think it's very important for people to distinguish those two things. And as a leader, the impact, and this is a small thing for a leader to do, but the impact is massive. Go from truly, from just hearing somebody to actually listening to them. And you're going to see profound changes in productivity, performance, engagement, I mean, across the board. Jacob, as you went through your interview processes and you continue to interview leaders from all over the world, talk to them, you speak with them, you consult with them. Do you find that there's certain elements of experience that takes those that don't get it to those that all of a sudden go, oh my goodness, I've spent the last 20 years not listening to my people? Or do you think people are born with it and that's just a natural habit that they carry throughout their career? Or a little bit of both. Yeah, I think it's both. You know, some people I think are inherently better listeners than others. Could be how you grew up, could be how you were raised. Who knows? I mean, it could be genetic. I have no idea. But I think some people are just naturally better listeners than others. We all have friends and family members who we can say, wow, that person's a great listener. But at the same time, this is also a skill that you can work on. I think anything related to leadership is something that you can improve upon and get better at. That's part of what having a growth mindset is all about. It's understanding that you can get better. You can become more capable. You can become more talented. Who you are as a leader now, it's not just these are the cards that you're dealt. I'm not that great of a leader. That's how it is. Or I'm not that great of a listener. I can't get any better. That's about having a fixed mindset. And that's not what you want as a leader or as a human being for that matter. So you can absolutely learn to become a better listener. You can absolutely learn to become a better leader. We're not talking about rocket science here, right? I mean, you're having a conversation with somebody, so you pay attention to your body language. There was actually, in my book, Zenger Folkman, they did a study and they have the the six levels of being an active listener. And I don't remember all six levels, but they included things like putting away distractions, asking follow-up questions, creating a safe space where people can come to you and ask you about anything, where you make the conversation feel collaborative, like you are engaged in the conversation with them. I mean, these are things that anybody can do. It's not like, oh, put away distractions. How do I do that? Or body language, what does that mean? Right? I mean, your posture, you're making eye contact. These are things that you can do in practice. It's not, I don't think it's that complicated. It just requires effort and time, which is easier said than done, but we're so distracted nowadays. We're constantly on our phones, on our email, we're getting beeped and and zapped and pinged and Slack is over there and you got to attend this virtual meeting and that one and your direct messages are going, I mean, it's, it's insane. Right. So it's easier said than done to say that, oh yeah, just put away your distractions and focus. But it's really hard to do that because we're being pulled in so many different directions. So it does require a sense of discipline. And people, leaders especially, need to understand that they control the technology. The technology doesn't control them. For example, on my phone, I disabled all my notifications. I don't get email. None of that social media stuff is going off on my phone. And you know what? I'm much happier for it. I check email and social media once a day, and I just focus on what I need to get done instead of letting the technology control me. Are there certain steps from the the active listening? So you mentioned turning off notifications, being intentional. You know, I'm even thinking for me at times, I probably need to leave my desk when I'm having a conversation because there is so much going on. 
But yeah. those extra steps also show the person who you're engaging with that they matter more importantly than the stuff around you going on at that moment that yeah. you're your intent focus. And that clearly motivates people, right? That's a key motivation to know that like this individual is here for me and only me to help me navigate through what's on my mind and what type of work needs to get accomplished or questions I have. Are there other areas in terms of motivating employees that great leaders do on a regular cadence that you have heard from your conversations over the years? Well, so we talked about the listening component, which was important. We talked about the component of understanding your employees as human beings, I think, not just as, as workers. I mean, some other things that I think leaders do a good job of, it's not necessarily an action, but it's more of a philosophy of leaders letting their team know that they are there to serve them and not the other way around. So communicating that, making yourself present, making yourself available, letting people know that they can come to you, you know, not locking yourself in a kind of ivory tower. I think those are all very, very effective things that you can do. I mean, you want to be approachable. You want people to be able to come to you with any kind of a problem or an issue. And part of that also means not things that you do to others, but things that you do yourself. And that means being a little bit more vulnerable yourself. Being okay with saying, I don't know. Being okay with not having the right answers all the time. Being okay with showing emotion and not trying to act like a robot while you're at work. I think that is a very effective tool and very effective strategy for leaders to use. Practicing empathy. Not sympathy, but empathy, which is about putting yourself into somebody else's shoes and understanding their perspectives and where they're coming from. So there are things that I think leaders need to do themselves managing the very emotions and how they project on the world. And then there are actual actions that they do, right? Listening to others, understanding other people as human beings. But then there's the, the self-awareness piece, I think is also a critical component. So a lot of individuals have taken up the word empathy in the last year. And I love the conversations that are being had, like, okay, so hold up. What does that mean? How do I actually be more empathetic. Yeah. I know there's been a couple of things that you've shared. I believe one was from Brene Brown yeah. on four steps to approach empathy. Could you share with our listeners some of the components or steps that you have found most important to be more empathetic and areas that leaders that are listening right now can work on strengthening in that muscle? Oh my goodness. Now you're going to make me remember the four steps, <laughs> Brene Brown's four steps to empathy. Yeah. I mean, I might not get it exactly right in the, in the correct order, but empathy is really about understanding the emotions that somebody else is feeling and not saying, I'm sorry, but genuinely recognizing them. So I think her four steps are first is perspective taking. So actually putting yourself into somebody else's shoes. If somebody is frustrated or angry with, you know, maybe a leader or a manager they're working with, it's you thinking about a time when you were in a similar situation and you felt that same way. Okay, so really putting yourself in their shoes, so to speak. Second component, I think, is you stay out of judgment. So you avoid saying things like, oh, that's just like you to do that. Or I'm not surprised you got in that situation. That's what you always do, right? Don't be judgy. You just listen. Third is you recognize the emotion that somebody else is going through and that you may have felt it before. So think about 
your spouse or any engagement that you have with friends or family members or coworkers, and you see that somebody's disengaged or upset or angry and say, look, I, I can tell you're angry. And I, I understand I have felt angry because of this too. And my wife, she does a very good job of this as well. You know, let's say I have a big project that I'm hoping to get and the project falls through and I get upset and frustrated and she will practice empathy and she'll say, you know, I understand what you're going through. This also happened to me, right? So it's recognizing that emotion in somebody else and calling it out and saying, I understand you're frustrated. I understand you're angry. I understand how you feel. And the last step is communicating that you actually recognize that emotion. So again, you recognize the emotion and I kind of clump those two things together. You recognize it and then you call it out and you, you say what it is. And that's a great way to practice empathy because people understand and they recognize, oh, so-and-so recognizes that I'm angry. So-and-so has also been angry and they know what it's like. And that creates that trust, that psychological safety, that ability to connect and build relationships and open up. That's very different than simply saying, oh, I'm sorry you're upset. I'm sorry you feel that way. We get told I'm sorry all the time from lots of people. We don't need any more I'm sorry's. You get told I'm sorry when you miss your flight. You get told I'm sorry when you have an issue with your internet. You call the phone company, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that. Like, There's no connection there when you say I'm sorry. But it's the empathy piece that I think really, really matters. Yeah, and to leaders listening, these four steps, Jacob, you did nail them, by the way. <laughs> it's recognized that you don't have to understand that the goal is for you to listen and learn from the other person's perspective, right? Because there's things that happen in life that I'm not going to feel the same way in yeah. which Jacob feels, right? And you're not going to feel the same way in which I feel, but it's your lived experiences. It's me understanding why that affects you the way it affects you and then actually caring. And we're all going to learn something from that experience, right? Yeah. And I love the, the second component of staying out of judgment and listening. This isn't for you to fix something. This is for you to learn something yeah. about the other human that you're engaging with. Yep. So Jacob, I always ask as we wrap up an episode, what is one additional thing that you would leave with our listeners today to help them elevate themselves and those around them? One additional thing to elevate themselves and those around them. Well, I think now, especially the one thing that you can do to elevate yourself is to practice self-care. Things are tough. A lot of people are very stressed out. You need to remember to practice self-care. So do something nice for yourself. You know, I take time to to do chess lessons. I take time to walk the dogs. I take time if I don't feel like working to just stop, to not burn myself out. Whatever you need to do, whether you schedule a massage, a date night, but do something nice for yourself. Do something nice for yourself on a regular basis because that's going to allow you to feel more engaged. It'll allow you to recharge, to rejuvenate. And as a leader, you can't show up to work each day expected to engage and motivate and inspire others if you're burned out and stressed out and exhausted. So practicing self-care will not only elevate yourself, but it will also allow you to elevate everybody else around you. Yeah, Jacob, what we say often is leaders can't lead from an empty cup, right? Exactly. And we have to know that. Thank you so much for that, for us listening, including present company. I'm gonna take something away from that and we should all, I'd love how you started, do something nice for yourself to show up a little bit better, a little bit more rested, engaged, 
and happier as we bring into the next day. Jacob, thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you for what you and your wife, Blake, do on a regular cadence of bringing value to the world. We will, again, provide your book in the show notes. We encourage everyone to follow Jacob Morgan on social media. I promise you will be inspired by the content that he puts out. I just thank you for your leadership and the opportunity to have you in our studio today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.